One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to the Mum and Mum podcast, brought to you as always by Golden Accountancy. Um, there's not going to be much of an introduction this week, uh, firstly because my guest needs no introduction, Mr Josh Weller, who I think is the funniest person on Instagram, and that's basically why I asked him to come on, because he makes me laugh so much. Um, but I've, I've just come out of hospital, my endometriosis has been playing up, so... I've just got home and I'm going to put the episode Work. together in a rush because it's coming out very soon. Work. This is Saturday night and it's coming out. Is it Saturday? Yeah. Work. It's coming out tomorrow morning so I've got to do this very quickly. So, And I'm not really up to uh, saying much but I will Work. fill you in more at some point. But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm having surgery. Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, enjoy. And... If you like Josh Weller, which of course you will because he's amazing, he is playing a gig at the Pleasance in London on the 28th of January, so you can get tickets to go and see him. If you go on his Instagram, I'm going to put links to everything below, but if you go onto his Instagram, it will have a link to a very clever page which gives you all the details about him, and you can book tickets on there. But yeah, that's the 28th of January at the Pleasance Theatre in London, and I am going so I will see you there. Work. See you in a bit. Work. Even though I was told I was doing that all wrong. But does it make sense to me? Do you do it to sync audio or just... Yeah. For fun? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do it for both, to be honest. Yeah, great. I especially like it when people just carry on clapping. Yeah, perfect. It's like, no, it's just one. <laughs> Where are you? Where do you live? Uh, Bethnal Green. Oh, do you? Whereabouts? Uh, well, just off Bethnal Green Road. So, uh, towards the tube station. Okay, what road? Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to come round. Uh, well, literally, uh, Bethnal Green Road. So you live on Bethnal Green Road? Yeah, where, where about? Much. Do you know the area? Yeah, I used to live um, Old Ford Road. Oh, okay, so you know where Polichis um, is? Yes, yeah. Yeah, there. Oh, no, have you lived there forever? Like, this is my ninth year in Bethel Green. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, which in London time, that's like dog years, isn't it? 
Yeah. That's like a th- that's like a thousand years. I lived. I think I probably lived on Old Ford Road for about nine years. Oh really? I when did you leave? Ten years. We moved to South Woodford when I got pregnant. We were in a really really small flat. On you know Vicky Park, you know um, where the fountain is. Yeah. There's like those really beautiful big houses, like the tall ones. Behind that, they had there was like a, a gate with other houses behind, so on the canal. And we were living in the bottom of one of the houses there. And it was really lovely, but it was tiny. So um, when I got pregnant, we had to move and we sadly couldn't afford to stay where we were. So we came to South Woodford and that's where we stayed. Okay. Well, what year was that? I got pregnant. She was born 2011, so it would have been 2010 we moved. Oh, uh, okay. So we just as I was uh, coming in to gentrify the area. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it got so expensive and we couldn't afford to stay there. Yeah. Um, I can see the um, I can see the way things are uh, checked. Because when I moved here, it was like, oh, all these young people coming in and like, you know, ruining East London. Yeah. And now I've been here for a decade and there's young people coming in. I'm like, these fucking young people coming yeah. in and ruining. <laughs> yeah. And I was just as much a part it of the was, problem. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. Remember, because my, my family are from like Stepney and Bethnal Green originally and they couldn't wait to get out because it was just so mm. terrible. So it's, it's nice that it is improving, but it does just feel very different. That's very, where my, my mum's from. Um, my mum's from the bottom of Valence Roads, you know, where oh, it becomes wow. uh, yeah. Whitechapel. Yeah, so that's where she moved when she moved to London. Yeah. Uh, so you know, she, um, her family are immig- immigrants, and they came over in the sixties. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's, you know, th- this is like her neck of the woods as well. But um, it is interesting, How like Bethel Green as mom? well. Sixty-three. Oh, God, she's young. Mm. And uh, it's it's interesting here now because, like, Bethnal Green's just never going to be... Um, it's like when they tried to um, pedestrianise Camden and make it nice, and yeah. they spent millions there, and it's still just a crack den of sex shops <laughs> and Chinese food. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. and Bethnal Green's the same. Like, they keep trying to... And there's a lot of, like, there are so many... Y- there's so many kids with mullets here now. Like, the mullet's uh, back. In yeah. Fa- yeah, I know. It's, it's not even back. It was never in. But now yeah. there's, like, the ironic <laughs> mullet. And, I'll um, send you a all... picture of my mullet from when I was 10. Oh, her, so yeah, but these, yeah but these kids are, like, 25, like, doing them. Yeah. And also, I know that I dressed like an absolute twat when I was their age. So, like, <laughs> that you have to give them some leeway. But, um... It's interesting in Bethnal Green now because there's, like, I ha- I haven't seen a police officer in Bethnal Green this year, yet. There's, and there's yeah, and there's so much crack going going on here now yeah. as well. Like it's it's it is very much still Bethnal Green. Like it's not yeah. become, um, it's not like when they cleaned up New York and you know it's still yeah. uh, it's still rough here and there's still a lot of you know there's a, there's a lot of like. Um, young hipsters but then there's a lot of people buying houses for like a million pounds and there's a lot of broke poor people as well yeah. so it's it, yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a weird mix at the moment yeah 
Yeah, because that was, I didn't, I've never been into crack, so I wasn't aware of where the crack houses were, but I think it was, was it Russell Brand's book? Because I think that's where he used to go, is Bethel Green. And I was like, fucking hell, I lived there and I had no idea. <laughs> one of no the one of the, the regulars, houses. like, a, yeah, a local, a lo- one of the local Bethel Green boys, who I, I don't want to say who he is, because people are bound to know him if they're from Bethel Green. There's literally three guys in Bethel Green that everyone knows, and he's one of them. But he uh, he said to me the other day, he was, and I'm not even going to do his accent because people will know who I'm impersonating. But like, uh, but he said to me the other day that he was like Bethel Green, and he said it with like pride. He was like, it does have the best crack in England. <laughs> well, that's good. Which to is know. such a yeah, it's a nice bit of civic pride, that isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but it's because I watched Snowfall recently. I'd no, I hadn't watched it. Have you seen it? No. It's about it's about how crack started basically in America. It's very good. It's all about like the CIA and. But yeah, I, I did. I never really knew much about crack, <laughs> so I've learned a lot. But that's interesting to know that Bethnal Green's got the best crack. Yeah, if anyone's cousins. thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> they might know though already. Um, today. <laughs> I'm joined by the lovely Josh Reller, who I can't see, and it's really freaking me out that I'm looking at a screen of myself. Hang on, let me see if I, I think I can. <laughs> Wait, it might just be this. Because there's like some. Oh, there oh, we go. <laughs> ah, it was just a sticker. Sorry, I thought the camera wasn't working. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, the camera's not working. Oh, it's a sticker. Hi! Um, Josh Weller, I'm trying to, I think I must have found you through Pip sharing your stuff on Instagram. 
Um, which what the the like the comedy stuff? Yeah, well, I because when I, I first knew about you when you were making music, mm-hmm. you were in a band called the Kenneths. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No but need for anyone just... to look that up. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, but you just used to put funny things up, and you do honestly. You make me laugh so much. Oh, Your thanks. joke. That's okay. Well, it's nice to tell people when they make you laugh. So you do a lot of stuff with your mum. Mm-hmm. And your knock-knock joke with your mum. That I eat one. I mean, that's not even a... It's a, it's a simple knock-knock joke, which is knock-knock, who's there? I eat. I eat who? You eat poo. Which is like a joke that you tell a five-year-old. But my mum... My mum has, like, the best comic timing. And she, yet she has no knowledge that she has it. So she's not ever trying to be funny, ever. Um, and for like last week I was around her house and um, she had a, she bought a pumpkin and for Halloween. And I went, oh, let's, we should carve the pumpkin. And my mom was like, no, we'll just draw a face on it. And I was like, what are you? And she was like, yeah, I'll just draw a face. On it. And, I, and I went, I was like, mom, you can't draw a face. We have to carve the pumpkin. And she was like, I just can't be bothered to do it. And and I'm it's not doing justice to. Yeah, it is. It but so just so just don't buy a pumpkin. <laughs> and I went, and I was like, why? Why is it? If you're just going to put the pumpkin outside, so kids know. To, and she was like, no, no, no. On Halloween, I'm bringing the pumpkin in because I don't want any kids coming over. So that and then I came down in the morning, and she wasn't trying to be funny, but she with a sharpie drawn on a scary face. <laughs> And the knock knock joke, she just she can't do a knock knock joke. She just she doesn't understand the construct. She can't go, who's there, and then set. She doesn't know how to do it. So and and yeah. it's not um, it's not her trying to be funny. She's just funny, you know. <laughs> She's hilarious. Well, that that is literally the only joke I remember, because it just <laughs> made me laugh so much. And it's obviously it's very easy to remember, but yeah. So that's that's my joke. And that I learned there's another you. good uh, there's a good knock knock joke you can do where you go um, so you just got to tell you knock knock joke so you start the joke knock knock who's there <laughs> there you go that's know. the joke yeah that's the joke that's it <laughs> that you fool the other person that's... right that's, that's a good one good I'm going to yeah. do that to my kids when I pick them up there you go but um, yeah so I I wanted to talk to you because you make me laugh so much. I'm not just going to sit here for an hour expecting you to make me laugh, though. But I thought I don't really know that much about you. And I'd like to find out. (laughs) Please. And also, you've just done something really exciting, haven't you? Uh, Well, you're probably doing uh, really exciting things. Which thing? Spitting image stuff. Oh, I mean... Could you talk about that? I th- I think so. I mean, I did some. I've been writing on it. I don't know. The thing is, is, and I'm not being. Uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but is facetious the right word? I don't think it is. But I, like, I haven't. I don't know how many. I don't know if I've even got a sketch on it. I know I did a bunch of writing sessions. I know oh, okay. I pitched a load of scripts to them, so and they asked how me to they work, work on. Do they like contact yeah. you and say we really like your stuff? Can you write some stuff? And then no, they say with. I submitted to be a writer for them last year, didn't get it, 
And then this year, when they were taking submissions, my agent emailed me going, oh, they're taking submissions again for Spitting Image. So I called my friend Paul, who is my... Uh, he's one of my best friends, but he's also... A, he's, in a, he's in the band. Do you remember the Hoosiers? Yes, I do. Um, tippy Toes, my Tippy Toes, that band, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's the piano player in that band. And uh, I said, look, I, you know, let's... I've got... Uh, an opportunity to pitch a spitting image and we wrote a punk song together um called uh brown tory which is how if if you want to be racist get a brown tory because if they say it like if pretty patel just says the most racist stuff people are like well it's obviously not racist because she's one of them um and we wrote this punk song and it was like brown tory brown tory you want to be racist use a brown tory and it was and that's what got me the 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 job and and i did a, i did a bunch of writing sessions and we did a few writers rooms and um and uh i think it's wrapped for the season now is that like when you sit um, in with the other people yeah 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 is yeah. that exciting it was really exciting for me as well as someone who's kind of like i'm a, i love uh you know there's a really good documentary episode um of south park which is just them trying to write an episode Okay. I think it's called six. I think it's called Six Days to Air, and uh, it's a really amazing. It, whether you like South Park or not, um, how they write it on a week to week basis as a topical show is f- is f- so fascinating. Yeah. And um, so to be on calls and then be in in rooms like that, especially with some comedians that I really like admire or grew up watching, and yeah. Um, like Al Murray was in one of the rooms, you know. So like, and that's really mad t- yeah. for me. Um, so that side of it was really, really fun. But I actually, I don't know if I have any sketches on it because I just. The song will be in it, though, right? Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have Britbox, so. Um, Is that what it's on? Yeah, so I haven't what seen. Because I, I used to watch it when I was a kid with my parents. I think it was. Uh, what was it, I think it on was, ITV? I, think it, I mean, I, don't, I think it must have been. I, I honestly I couldn't tell you. It could have been BBC, could it? it must Might have been, have been Channel Four. Maybe Channel Four. Oh, so is it not on normal telly? No. Nah. Normal. It's not okay. Normal telly. Normal telly. No, no, it's not. No, it's um, it's on BritBox, so I haven't oh, seen okay. it. But, um, but uh, I was very grateful for the experience. I'm sure I'll find out. Um, I'm just lazy as well. And I've been gigging a lot. So I just haven't, I'm not in on the evenings. And like, I have to, yeah. I tr- I'm, like, I don't have a gig tonight. And I'm so excited to watch Succession. That's going <gasps> to be my evening. I've not started watching it yet. Have you started the yeah, new series? I'm on, yeah, I'm on season three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's started, a great, yeah. it's a great week because there's, uh, there's new Kerber enthusiasm as well. So, yeah. Really? So, Mm, yeah, season eleven, and it's pretty good so far. The two episodes in, and it's like it's it's really classic Curb. <laughs> classic Curb. So where are you gigging then? In London, or are you out of London? Yeah, as well? out of London. So it start because I haven't been doing stand up that long. Um, so I feel very lucky that it's become a career. Like actually, when I did, I did, I went on Scroobius Pips. I guess we could just call him Pip on this podcast, but I went on Pip's... What's his real name? Dave. <laughs> and I call... That's what I call him, because I, that's what I always knew him as, and I find it weird 
not calling him that, but I think it really winds him up. <laughs> so I do it even where more. Did, where did Pip come from? Philip? Scroobius. No, Scroobius Pip is it's a Philip Lear poem. I should know this, really. And a Scroobius uh, course Pip it, was a thing. Of course it fucking it is. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> so he was like, I'll have that. Um, and yeah. But, well, I, did but... his, um, I did his podcast because I did a comic book series in, in 2018. And that was when I said on the thing, I was like, I've quit music and I'm going to start doing stand up because I, a few things happened while I was doing music. And I was like, I sh- this is I'm in the wrong. This isn't what I want to do. I'm, I, I know so I want to do stand up. You'd not done stand up previously. No, no, no. I, I started in t- beginning of 2019. Wow, that's you've really you've been on telly and everything. Mm, yeah, it's been cr- it's been really mad. That's amazing, yeah, isn't mad. it? How quick it's been. Yeah, it's just, uh, if you mix race now, they'll put anyone on the fucking telly. No, no, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God bless that race quota. Oh. Um, I no, it was like. I have a single parent card. <laughs> <laughs> I have a single it's like, parent. It's, it's true, isn't it? Uh, no, no. It's every everything I sort of wanted to. By the way, for people who are listening to this, you are. Um, putting on a giant tub of vaseline <laughs> I was onto so your lips right now it. this is i've just always got you know it's addictive you know it's addictive right yes i do yeah and i'm addicted to it this is my crack i it took me so long to get off and I, i'm sure it will come back this winter i'm sure it's How going did you to get off of it i Tell did me. um i i vaseline didn't work uh car carmex didn't work i tried the really expensive stuff what worked for me was actually after I brushed my teeth, I would rinse the toothbrush and brush my lips. Oh, really? And and then also salt is a huge, way more than the cold for me was salt on my lips. Um, and uh, um, not if I eat something salty, like yeah. a certain crisp or whatever, then I know my lips are just going to go pink. Yes. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you get that Sorry, tingling, I've just got to let my you? cat in. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Vinegar affects me as well. But yeah, I guess it is salt. And anything spicy. Yeah. As well, I can't. And fruit. Everything. Just um, all the good things. Just all the good things, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But Sorry, I got distracted. But funny. I mean, I think that I didn't... Re- <laughs> I had a friend in about 2017 who, when I was, you know, I was... A, struggling uh broke really broke musician and nothing was happening and nobody cared and in looking back on it it, i can see it just wasn't very good and um but when you've got a dream it's really hard to swallow your pride and go oh no i'm just i'm not good enough at this (laughs) and my mate took me aside and was like he's like you know that you're a comedian and i was like what and it kind of broke my heart, I think, because I knew it was true. And um, he said, he went, comedy's your metier. And I went, oh, what what does metier mean? And, um, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. I st- I'm still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I had been like, I've been dicking around. And this is the thing is like, all of these people, when I started doing Twitter, like all of these um people who are way more successful than me started following me. And then they started like bigging me up about how funny I was. And then I'd go, 
you know, someone, you know, like a pop star or someone would go, oh, this, this Josh is really funny. And I go, oh, thanks. And I go, hey, my new single's out and nothing, nothing on the, nothing on music. No replies. <laughs> but then as soon as I do a joke or like some of the like, I wouldn't really call it trolling, but it was just me messing with people. Twitter used to be a very different place. Um, yeah. where there was a, a level of acceptance towards sort of sarcasm and nuance. And Twitter now is like walking past a pub and everyone in the pub is fighting and the pub is on fire, you know? <laughs> and um, and back it, it, 10 years ago, I was I was just dicking around on the internet and, and on Instagram as well. And then it kind of... Um, and then I started a punk band and for a while that kind of the anarchic you know sense of social media and the anarchic punk thing kind of work but then the obviously not in all honesty the punk band wasn't wasn't very good either so um and i kind of that so i didn't really start comedy i didn't go right i'm gonna do stand-up comedy i just sort of um was lost so i and i and i like and i like being on a stage and um everything i sort of wanted to happen in music um, the ease that you read about, you know, like uh, in Bob Dylan's book, like he starts the, his book, he's like, and I and I signed on the contract, and I knew that my life was going to change. And you read the book, and I'm like, yeah, but how did you get to that point, dickhead? Like, <laughs> like, that's the important bit. And all of the stuff that you want, that natural, like, oh, let's sign that guy. And like, I I, I feel like in in comedy, I've been so lucky that um, I haven't really had to try for any of that stuff. And that's what yeah. I really wanted to happen in music. So, and I also yeah. think once you've once you've sort of failed at your dream, and <laughs> it's like you do feel you do sort of feel invincible. I think. Yeah. Because I've got nothing to lose now. Like I didn't yeah. think I'd be a comedian, so everything's a bonus at this point. But you're so funny. I, that does. It's weird, isn't it? Like you are naturally you're you're really funny. And you think of really funny things. I, you know, it's like, it's weird that you never really thought that. So what led you, have you always been musical? Is that what you No, I I think that's what the, I think that's what the problem was. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, you know, I would gig with people and you'd see some people. I remember the first time I saw, uh, like Marcus Mumford sing. And the guy from Mumford and Sons. And it was before, I think it was before they were even a band. And we all kind of came up together on this in in yeah. the circuit of gigs in London. And I remember him opening his mouth, and I remember my brain going, "Oh, that's what talent is," you know. <laughs> I was like, "Oh," because it just it just it just he it just fell out of his face, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, in the regard of like, I think what I am is a massive music fan and yes, a medium yeah. music maker. I think. Yeah. And Pip and I have talked about this, like how little we even think about music nowadays. You oh, know? really? Um, mm, like um, that. It's a weird. It's a the weird thing is uh, how much it. We, I don't think about making it because yeah. I just wake up in the middle of the night and 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 writing jokes. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, okay, oh, I can link that joke to that bit. And, and and even when I was a musician in the studio, I was always trying to make the people laugh. I was in the studio with and I should have been trying to make the song good you know <laughs> yeah um and um and my family was really uh had like such a mad eclectic taste in music I think that's what set me up so well for for being like um 
like I, I know a lot about music I just I just do I just live on I just love what like I watched the video this morning of uh Ray Charles teaching Jamie Foxx how to play the piano on when they did that movie and yeah. and that's just it's just I just I just cons- I just suck it up I just like I can't yeah. stop um learning about things and and I'm so I want to know everything there is about what music did you grow up on then what influence well my dad it wasn't really it was just everything like my mum's from a french-speaking country so she my mum's mauritian so there was lots of french music and then my mum also loved glam rock um like the sweet and and bands like that and then but then she also loved uh you know like young gifted and black and like she was just a she liked pop music from her childhood you know yeah and then my my dad's the same, but my dad loves, uh, you know, whether it's like Paul Simon or um, uh, Elvis Costello or Squeeze. And my dad just has, a, and my dad loves like sea shanties. And my dad was in a shanty band and a, and a folk band, and like so, um, it was just the CD collection was because I used to steal their CDs and take them back to the Virgin Mega Store because you would you didn't need a receipt back then. Yeah. If the CD was in good, if the CD was in good nick, you could get store credit. So I'd st- I'd go through their CD collection and be like, okay, they look like they haven't listened to this for a while. And then I'd take it, in, take the train into the city, go to the Virgin Megastore and be like, oh, I've got bought this for my birthday and I don't like it. And then swap it for like a, a Blink One Eight Two CD or something. And um, <laughs> and so it was, yeah, it was always eclectic. And then. I think just everyone around me as well. Like there was my cousin loved, my cousin used to come to our house in the summer and live with us and he loved hip hop and Brit pop. And then my sister loved boy bands and hip hop. And so it was just everything. It was just all everything. Yeah. And then I met these two guys. I was really into punk and, and, and rap. And then um, I met these two guys when I was about 16 who were really, you know, they were, about 10 years older than me and they were really into jazz music and they kind of took me under their wing and showed me that you didn't need to scream to get emotion across in a song which I did I just thought was impossible so then by the time I was sort of 17 I was listening to like Cole Porter and all the sort of um, New York Tim Pan Alley musicals writers and stuff and then because my grandparents when I was a kid loved musicals it kind of I remembered all the songs but I'd never really heard them interpreted as jazz songs so it was you know it's just everything and anything, really. Yeah. Oh, it's nice that you grew up with so much music and so much variety. Mm. So what did do you... When did you start playing? Did you... Had, is anyone a musician in your family? Just my dad. But my dad's sort of... Okay, cool. Very much... Yeah, very much a hobby. And then I... Um, taught myself how to play the drums. And then I had lessons for two nice. years... And then in those two years was like, oh no, I want to, I bought a, my mates, um, he had like a f- copy of a Fender Stratocaster, a, a Hofner, like a cheap Japanese guitar. And I bought that off him yeah. and, uh, and learned how to play like three chord punk songs. And that was, but to be honest with you, I never learned anything more. Um, oh really? that was sort of, no, I'm terrible. I'm genuinely a bad musician. But um, I, I, that's how I sort of, um, that's how I kind of started. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you form the band? 
When did you form your first band? When I was um, 12. And we were called the Opposable Thumbs. <laughs> and then when I was 13... Yeah, horrible. Uh, and then 13, I started a band called Your Loss. Nice. Which was a punk band. And then I left that when I was 17 and had a solo thing. And then the solo career, I got, I got signed to Universal when I was about 22. Um, right. So, so for a signed? while... Uh, just I just gigging. gigged. Yeah, I just gigged so much and ha- and had such a stupid haircut and wore a bow tie and really tight trousers. I just looked like a fucking nutter. <laughs> um, I had like my hair was like two like a two foot high mohawk. It was so weird and such a stupid. <laughs> it was like it, I, I was I, looking back on it. I was very much trying to cover up the lack of songwriting skills by going, look at me. I was like, and I would like, tam- I would like, I'd wear makeup on stage and like I tamp, I t- uh, tap a tambourine with my foot and like a bass drum. I had a floor tom on the side of the stage and I was just trying to do, I was like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. I was just trying to do everything to sort of stop people listening to the mediocre song. Um, but then, so I thought that would be a career for a bit and then um, I got dropped and then I worked in a toy shop for four years and then I started a punk band. And then I thought that, and then that sort of looked like it was going to go for a bit. We got quite yeah. lucky and um, got on the, this thing in America called the Warp Tour. Um, yes. And then, and then we got like a big American manager and then, but it just didn't really, it just didn't work out. Um, and then four years, that was 2014, 50, yeah, four years into that, that was when I uh, sort of sacked it in and started doing comedy. So what made you decide that you didn't want to do that anymore? Um, I think once it's a combination of things. Like, f- firstly, uh, I remember uh, we were doing a gig. We were opening for Leanne Le Havas at the Albert Hall, the Royal Albert Hall. Wow! And, wow! And I'm, yeah, it was mad. A lot of people walked out, and um, and. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember walking on stage thinking, uh, and it's a mad venue as well, because not only is it, is it not only playing in the Royal Albert Hall, just the way that as you walk down the tunnel backstage onto the stage, they have photos of like all the people. It's like Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, Ray Charles, Adele. And you're like, for fuck's sake, guys, like, what are you? No, don't do that. Um, and, uh, I walked on, I remember walking down that tunnel and I was thinking, oh, I can't wait to tell some jokes in between the songs. Really? And um, yeah, and, and something in my brain that day just was like, oops, I'm in the wrong, yeah. oops. And um, and then also that, I mean, that's the sort of romantic version of it. Also, I'd been doing it for 12 years. Nobody cared. We couldn't yeah. sell out like, a, we couldn't sell out a hundred cap venue in London. Um uh, you know, our first manager dropped us. Our second manager wasn't doing anything. Our booking agent dropped us. Like I had 70, I think I had 83 pounds when the band split up. Like, and it's like, after you've been in a van cold for 10 years, um, I was talking to my mate around that time. whose band, his band had got really big. And, um, 
he was saying like he sort of came in with this sort of idealistic um view on it and he just went mate he's like you know he's like you shouldn't quit just because other people are doing well which hadn't entered my mind he was like if you love it keep doing it and then i said to him i was like mate if you do you remember your first tour in like a beat up splitter van you know where the where the heating didn't work and there was a broken window and the, you know every you know the 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 transmission kept breaking and he was like yeah yeah i remember that and i went well now you're on a tour bus if it was 12 years later and you were still in that van do you yeah. still think you'd love it and he was like no absolutely not yeah. <laughs> and i think that um there is something about like i just i just tried for so long and after a while i think you it it's actually quite healthy to go okay why hasn't this worked and um why did it not be the thing i wanted it to be and i think you can either come out of that and blame the world or blame the industry and be really embittered or you can you can kind of just channel it into really positive things as well like failing is really good for you it's really good for you that's how you succeed you can't succeed without failing 100 percent. yeah and a little bit of trauma is healthy gives you something to write about doesn't it mm. yeah exactly there's the music industry's hard i because i used to make music and i think my very first writing session i was writing with um people that had written for the sugar babes they were quite established <laughs> and he was like it's going to be at least 10 years and i was like what <laughs> I've, I've just got a writing session with people that have made music for famous people I thought this was it (laughs) like you know I'm going to get signed now and everything's (laughs) going to be fun and it was like no 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 it's going to be 10 at least 10 years and I was like oh and then it was it was 10 years of gigs and shit happening and and at the end of it I was like I I, there was so many things that were going to happen and then didn't and I was just like I can't do this anymore because it's just which is the uh which which iteration of the sugar babes was that the first one they wrote um oh okay uh-huh, I don't know. yeah he wrote the middle eight. <laughs> oh, that's a bit i don't remember they did, um uh, amy winehouse's first album frank he wrote a few of those yeah man i i i i um i did a gig and i i host a night every wednesday at the camden comedy club and i bombed so hu- two people in the audience shouted i hate you last week <laughs> because Bear in mind we were in Camden, and I just and I didn't I, I hadn't I hadn't written any jokes. I just I just said I was like, I, does anyone else think Amy Winehouse was a bit overrated? And like and I said it in Camden. Oh my god! Oh my god! Holy! Oh, oh my, my god. god! Yeah, yeah. It was people were no. It was it was. Met, I've never said anything on stage that was met with such vitriol. And I've said yeah. to, you know, it's it's nice to try and push things but that was like people just no they no. weren't absolutely not <laughs> not in camp i mean to be fair i don't know if you could get away with that anywhere but definitely not in camden what, what i found funny about it was that i just find it funny when tourists come to camden to go on the amy winehouse tour but she recorded nothing in camden is there an amy winehouse tour in camden of course there of course there is yeah it's like what here's the holy arms yeah 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 there you go and uh it's um it's just funny to me because like it would be like a beatles fan 
Like, they go to Abbey Road. They go to where they made the music. Yes, Whereas with Amy yeah. Winehouse, it's like people go to where she got high, which I find yeah. so weird. Yeah. But that's really um, what she was made her famous, wasn't it? Because that first album, because I, I was kind of in with the people that were working with her. So I had the demos and I was like, oh my God, she's the most amazing thing in the world. She's going to blow up. But the first album didn't really do anything. It was a big critics. It got nominated for a Mercury. Yes, it was. It might every... even have won it. It might even have won it. I don't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember if she won. But it no. did. It, but it, when the photos started going in the paper about her being a state, then back to black. Yeah, massive. but that's. I. I mean, I just feel so. It's what we do as well. We champion the underdog. We make them a star. We get up in their face so hard that we watch them lose it to the point where. They either crash their car in a tunnel or OD. And then we yeah. would pretend that they were a god and we had nothing to do with their demise. I thought it's, it's just yeah. like, you know, we, like the British public are yeah. just as responsible for Amy Winehouse's death as, yeah. as the press. Because we, we don't need to eat that up. Yeah. It's disgusting. Sorry, it anyway, disgusting. sorry, I know this is meant to, yeah. No, it is, but, um, no, but it is, it's is, it is awful. It's what we do. It's what we, and it's like, you know, um... I find that, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I find that stuff, yeah, pretty pretty amazing that that's yeah. uh, that n- that no one accepts responsibility. But it's like try, it's happened so many times. Yeah. We did it with Britney as well, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, I named my first plant my firstborn <laughs> after Britney. Poor Britney. Well, her name's Britney. Yeah, she well, she's dead now. <laughs> I've got it was a rat. <laughs> It's a piece. It's like it was. It got fucking massive, and when I'm out to move, I just got, couldn't take it with me, sadly. But I've got another one, so it's all right. Um. So when you were walking down the tunnel, <laughs> yeah. Um. And were like realised that you wanted to tell jokes more than make music. How? Because your success has been really quick, hasn't it? So what did you did you have? I mean, I'm. People that... I don't know if I'd call it success, but it's going. It's going the right way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when did you get the idea for start doing the commentary over the videos? Uh, oh man, that was. Um, been I've been thinking about doing more of those. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing more of those recently. Uh, they the, were my it's like a. Thank you. It's like a fake music director. Co- I pretend I directed old music videos. Is the is the idea? And I play the video, and I I stopped doing it because Instagram started taking them down. Oh, of um, course, yeah. And uh, and um, so I've, I've started popping them up on YouTube because I've got okay. a thing. I've got like a, I'm doing like a show that I that um, I'll put on YouTube, and who knows, it probably won't become anything. But if it does, I, I want to have all the videos there ready. Um, but uh, the I started doing it because I saw a Sting video. Uh, and he had a song, my housemate, my old housemate showed me a Sting song called I'm So Happy I Can't Stop Crying. And it's, a, it's like, I, I encourage anyone to look it up because it's Sting with a mohawk and a goatee wearing leather trousers on a horse and then an alien. And then there's like a, and then there's a cowboy flying a spaceship and like an alien comes down and then they have a line dance. And it's like, I just, I just couldn't figure out how that <laughs> I just I was just lying awake in bed for like a week going how did that just obsessing over it 
um and and that's another thing you know as well as like i it 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 comes from like a fanatical obsession with whatever the thing is that's on my mind um like i was i was thinking about a movie i can't uh, rain man recently and i was like how did they get that over the like that when you break that film down to its plot points it's a reprehensible film like he kidnaps his autistic brother holds him hostage his girlfriend like sexually assaults the the autistic brother and then he gets the money at the end yeah. like it's like it's a mad film and um and i think that's where the director's commentary came from because i was like oh yeah. okay well it would be fun it would be funny to pretend and then you know there are so many br- amazing music videos to, to to that you can just that 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 write the comedy themselves yes yeah um so that's sort of where it came from but i i uh, yeah i don't know i was thinking about, i saw a ronan keating video the other day and was like oh i could do it i could do that one that would be funny so the when, one where when he keeps dying your... i don't know i've not seen that um when did you do your first stand-up gig I think it was the very end or very beginning of 2018-2019. Okay. Yeah. So really good timing with regards to COVID. The band split Sorry, up. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it was, I did it for a year and then everything, for a year and three months and then everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, but I'm, to be honest with you, it, it um uh it even with the pandemic i still feel like i've been you know, like i've i've sort of uh climbed up that ladder far quicker than i probably should have done so so how did you get um, your first gig i uh reached out to a friend of mine who's a comedian who sent me a load of open mic nights okay yeah and i went to shepherd's bush and I, I still smoked at that time. And I walked from Shepherdsbury Station like 15 minutes down Goldhawk Road to the pub. Ordered a beer. Smoked a cigarette. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is the hardest bit, I think. is It won't get harder than this because, yeah, you know, um, I'm doing it now. And I know I'm going to keep doing it. And then I realized I was in the wrong pub. <laughs> and ran to a different pub and missed my slot. <laughs> so that was the first one. Oh, that's brilliant. How did you how did you write your stuff for the did it take you a long time to write? Did you know what No, what the do? first yeah, the first stuff was I mean, I honestly the two things I remember from my first gig is my friend's face where he was like, Oh God. <laughs> and then I remember the, uh, the other thing weirdly that I remember is I have no memory of the jokes. I remember the first line yeah. and then I remember just eat, I just ate my balls for five minutes, you know, <laughs> and five minutes is such a long time when you, when it's you, when you've never done it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, that is, yeah, that was the the first. Uh, Did people laugh? The first. No. No. God no. No. <laughs> no one really? laughed till about my. I think it was around like gig nine. 
and I and I and it was the first time where I felt like I killed. And then I walked home listening to the recording of the gig in my head and I was like, okay, I think I understand stand up now. And then I just didn't have a good gig again for like eight months. Um but it's it's one of those things where it's it's just you know, you do it six, seven nights a week, really, to get it's there is no way to get good at it other than just doing it and just getting punched how, in the face over and over. How can you do that? How can you stand there? How can you do that? <laughs> I said I'd die. That's I think the, the main thing you learn is that, like, I, I even even last night's gig, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, you, you're trying new material, so it's it's just it's just not you know it's not going to work, you know that it's like a, cons- a a room of like construction, and you hope that the that the audience isn't going to be too judgmental and expect it to be, you know, live at the Apollo, or yeah. you know, like a Netflix special, but um, I think it's just you just have to not take the gig off the stage with you i think yes yeah 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 and i think that that's something that i've learned over te- you know 12 years as a musician taking every moment yes. off the stage with you yeah, as well yeah, and i yeah. think uh, again like i think just because it's comedy is just something for me that i just didn't ever think so i'm just so grateful that to be honest i'm also grateful i don't have to pack anything up afterwards yeah, yeah. Like, that's huge <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's I just there's no train, there's no splitter yeah. van full of stoned people, there's no beer bottles like clanging together as you drive four hours to another shitty travelodge, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And there's no like you don't you park the van somewhere where you pray it's not going to get broken into and all your gear's going to get stolen, yeah. you know, like that. All of it's such a huge bonus. Even if I suck and am not funny. I still get to go home going, ah, it's just a notepad. That's all I've got to take home with me, you know? So. <laughs> so how often do you write? Are you always writing? Um, yeah, yeah. All it's, it's, um, I'll, uh, it's constantly in my, uh, notes on my phone. Yeah. So if you have an idea, or you have a way to link a joke that pops in, or you have a concept, and pop that in, and then I have a uh, a Google Doc just so I can do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I'll type up the ideas. So I have like three documents, um, which is like old bits, uh, current bits, and new bits. And then I'll write all the new bits out, and as a as a as just sort of a random you know half a paragraph to five pages of like all the information i can get on it um and then i another really good thing for me is talking to other comedians and just finding because they'll you know everyone finds things funny in different ways and um uh like i was talking to a i've got a bit about um i'm trying to work on this bit about uh the movie annie and yeah. I just find it really funny. I find it really funny that they never address why that guy wants to adopt her. Like he's just like this fifty-year-old millionaire dude. But wasn't it to make him more, give him more of a family appeal? I thought. Right. It's very, it's very tenuous. And I was explaining <laughs> it to a comedian friend. I was like, and also I was like, his name's Daddy War Bucks. It's like three red flags. All of those words are red flags. <laughs> And then my my friend who's a comedian just went, she was like, when did Annie learn to tap dance? 
And I was like, that is hilarious. Like, how did she? She's just like this 10-year-old orphan (laughs) who just happens to be amazing at tap. And so that's always a good thing as well. It's just to sit in a room and then, and then you write it out and then you kind of ish try and learn it. And then I'll bullet point in a notebook, uh, the sort of triggers of what to talk about, the kind of chapter points for each joke. And then you go on stage and say it, and then you record it and you listen back to the recording and then, and you kind of just do that over and over and and you finesse and you lose words and you learn about the commodity of, you know, which is the most powerful word to get the laugh? Is it if you, is it Clementine or Orange or Satsuma? You know, which is the funniest one? Which one? Some of them will get bigger. For some reason, you know, why did the number 11 get a laugh when 7 didn't? Like, there's, you know, all these weird things about the sound of words that people yeah. find funny. And um, and also, like, the, the other answer is I don't know as well because I'm so new to it as well. I'm still... yeah. I'm still figuring it out. I think a, a comedian who's been doing it 10 years would give you a much better answer than that. But hopefully in 10 years, I'll be able to explain yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to see you, are you literally performing every night? Pretty much. I mean, every night I'm doing, um, uh, yeah, new material stuff. And then I'm starting to do some previews. Um, and then, um, so if they go on my Instagram there's links to to tickets to shows and then on the weekends yeah. i tend to be up up and down the country uh, from the new year especially um but all the tickets will be on uh the on my website i don't have a website but i have a Is link to tickets <laughs> oh what on instagram or yeah so in my instagram and my twitter there's like the, the link is just to my you know like a, a holding page and there's a t- yeah. there's a ticket site there yeah, yeah how did you set that up <laughs> music glue <laughs> is the website okay so they're like a host ticketing website but you can build like a pretty good website from there yeah and uh and then i and then i'll 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 get sent like the link to the tickets for the website from my agent yeah. and then i just link it to the but music glue is pretty good for that stuff yeah okay. and it's free you're welcome how did you get so have you got a comedy agent mm. How did you get a comedy yeah. agent? Well, it was... It kind of... I... Um, I had a few things happening that... Like, there was bits of stuff I'd done on telly. There was some writing I'd done that had done some stuff. There was a bunch of viral stuff. And yeah. then Twitter... Like, I just got a DM one day from Twitter... Uh, in like 2019 uh, that just said like a like from a dm from at twitter and i was like what the f- this is weird and they asked if they could use one of my jokes for their valentine's day campaign yes yeah, yeah and then yeah. i just thought yeah, yeah, yeah sure yeah. sure and i didn't think anything of it um and then in february it just was on like this one line joke i wrote on twitter in like 2015 16 was just on billboards all over the world yeah. like giant billboards <laughs> yeah and um i remember and, that because wasn't it the tube or something yeah yeah it was on like yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. a, it was at like oxford circus and then the, the thing is is they used a bunch of tweets but for some reason for their campaign and when any and and luckily for me all the seemed like 
mine was the one that people put on the internet. Yeah. What um, what, what joke was it? See, I didn't even think it was that funny. It was just um, it said something like, "For Valentine's Day, I'm standing outside restaurants, watching couples go in, shouting." you've moved on quickly or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I still think I, I, even when it was on the billboard, I was like, I could have worded that better. Um, and then that, and then a guy, uh, a songwriter um, reached out to me and he was turning a very popular Netflix show into a, uh, sorry, a very, yeah, very popular Netflix show into a West End musical. And I had been going in and was just singing, on the demos of the musical just to help just as a favor for him. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that I just realized he never paid me. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he asked me to write the, the book like this. He was like, have you ever written a script for a musical? And I just lied and went, yep. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How hard can it be? All the time. And so he asked me to write the book and then, um, the pandemic happened and the show, I can't say what it is, but it was like a very dystopian show. And um, he, and then it just became very apparent in the lockdown that people don't, are, probably aren't going to want to see a dystopian <laughs> musical <laughs> after coming out of a real life dystopian situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of just, uh, all that stuff, and then one agent reached out to me and then one really big agent reached out to me. And then I was chatting to my mate and he went, oh, you should talk to this girl. And uh, I met a few people and she was the one that uh, made me laugh. And she was the one that was like, uh, I just liked her the most. I just liked yeah. her, period, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's how that's sort of how that happened. Again, that's like a dream situation. Like I would have given my left foot, um, you know, as a musician to have had something yeah. have happened that easily you know and I, to me it just reaffirms that i'm doing the right thing i think yeah, yeah. well you must be to have got on so well you must mm, be i hope so well I'll give it yeah. time i could still fuck it up <laughs> i could still ruin it <laughs> watch this face oh thank you so much i'll um obviously share links to everything well, thank you for having me. It's nice that we finally did this. I know. I know. Sorry that it took uh, so long to to well, pin me okay. down. I'm just uh, very disorganized. Um, it took like 20 minutes to even get the Zoom link to work. We're just, just taking the fucking sticker off the camera. Yeah. Really. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. All right. Just wait there, but we'll say bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Josh Weller. Bye. Bye. Hi. Now, wasn't that funny? Um, you'll remember that knock-knock joke for the rest of your life as well. I did try the other one on my daughter. And she was a bit like, it's not funny. I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah check him out he's, he's doing loads of gigs actually he's gigging all the time so if you can't make the pleasant sit and then there is others but if you follow him on the socials firstly it will cheer up your day because he makes you smile every day and secondly you'll find out when else he's playing but yeah hopefully i'll see you at the pleasants on the 28th of january that's enough of a plug right <laughs> um and yeah i'll i'll see you next week 
Oh, there's a new episode of the Epic Mum Chat as well on our YouTube. So, Epic Mum Chat on YouTube. And this one is about not having to like your ex when you've got kids. Work. Obviously, you still got to deal with them. But, yeah, it's about not having to like them. It's a good Work. one. But, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Sorry, this is all a bit meh. Work. But, uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Lots of love. Stay safe and sane. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.